When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome back to another episode of Podcasts on Fifth Ave. Taylor Haas and Julianne Pelosi. Uh, opening week, Big T, not a great start uh, for the Penguins in game one. Connor Bedard versus Sidney Crosby. What were your initial impressions of the Penguins and... Uh, Gosh, we're getting right back into it from last year with those squandered leads. Yeah, I mean, it's it's too hard, I think. to it, It's too early to put too much stock into stuff like that. They had seven new guys in the lineup. The last time they had seven new guys in the lineup was 2006. Chris Letang was one of them. Like, it's been that long since you've had this many guys trying to get acclimated. So, you know, I think those growing pains are just going to happen. The the squandered lead, I think that's something that, like, fans are like, oh, my God, they never fixed any of their problems and, you know, stuff like that because that was a problem last year. They weren't the worst team when it comes to squandering leads, but when you look at their um, their win percentage after when leading after two periods, they were fifth from the bottom, pretty bad. Um, this one was a little different, though. Like, last last year, if they were, like, going to blow a lead in the third period, it's like they'd actually get get rocked in the third period. It's just, like, an onslaught of shot shot attempts and stuff like that. And This one, it was, like, the, the bad defense, like, when they weren't playing tight was the first two periods. And then they actually did tighten up in the third. Um, a, a broken play uh, where a puck goes off a stick kind of burns them. And um, But really, it was more just like they sat back offensively. Um, but again, I'm not, it's, it's one game and again, we're recording this Friday. So by the time you're listening to this, they're going to play it a game right. against the Capitals. If they blow a third period lead. <laughs> that one, then like all bets are off, but yes. I, it's too early. Well, right now, 81 games left. And by the time this podcast airs, <laughs> 80 games left. So we'll see how things go against the Caps. Uh, Taylor, what are you kind of expecting? Uh, you're in Washington right now. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. What are you expecting uh, from the team going into that game? Yeah, I mean, it's what has this rivalry become? It's so crazy, right? Like both both teams are, are aging. Um, it Sid and Ovi used to be there. Actually, used to be like a little bit of real hatred there. The mm-hmm. rivalry was definitely manufactured with them both coming into the league at the same time. The two stars. Mm-hmm. But if you look at what it's become, it just becomes so much of a more mutual respect, especially between Sid and Ovi. Like, I remember, you know, going to the All-Star game this year and going to Media Day and asking Ovi about, you know, just how their that rivalry, their relationship has evolved. And he's talking about, you know, how it has grown into respect. And um, like he says, like, when they're done playing, they want to sit down and have beers together. And it's like, I, you, you couldn't imagine this being the case, like, 10 
years ago, 10, 15 years ago when, when they were young um, and there was that actual like real rivalry. But it, it just I, it just feels like a treat to see them go head to head like this um, at this point in their career because, you know, we're not going to have too many of these right. opportunities left. Yeah. And uh, just with that debut, uh, we got to see um, an- another future great player go up against Sidney Crosby and Connor Bedard. What were your first impressions of watching Bedard live? Yeah, he didn't look out of place at all, especially in that, in that Blackhawks power play, the the attempts he was getting off. I mean, I think he ended up leading the Blackhawks in shots that game. Um face-offs needed to work. I know, like, you look at, like, the face-off numbers afterwards, and Bedard through two periods is, like, 0-9, and, and Sid is, like, 11-13 and 13 or something like that. But um, aside from that, yeah, it was just cool to see his first game. Didn't look out of place, and then, of course, he gets his first NHL goal the next night um, against Boston. So, gonna, uh, I'd anticipate seeing a lot more of those this season, but, uh, yeah, I didn't, uh, didn't see it against the Penguins just yet. Well, we'll see what the Penguins can do tonight. And uh, we have a lot more to talk about in our next segment. Uh, Some uh, social issues that are cropping up in the league. Uh, You're listening to podcasts on Fifth Ave. Julian Pelosi and Taylor Huss will be right on Fifth Bound. Taylor, a couple of social issues cropping up around the league over the last few years and uh, banning pride tape. So what is going on here? Yeah, so I mean, going back over the summer, the NHL banned those specialty jerseys that teams only wore in warm-ups and that's like pride, military night, hockey fights, cancer, um, indigenous peoples, you saw those more in Canada, Black Hockey History Month, St. Patrick's Day, like all of them. There are no specialty warm-up jerseys. Last week, the NHL took it a step further and banned um, things that were always individual shows of support. The wording of the memo they sent out to the 32 teams is very restrictive. Um, it says something like, you know, they w- they, you can't force a player to be in proximity to another player or to another individual who is supporting that cause. So what are the implications of that? No one's quite sure everything it involves yet. I know there are questions like hockey fights cancer. And I, can they hold a little, the signs say like, I fight for my grandma. Mm-hmm. Um, can coaches wear the poppies for Remembrance Day in, in Canada and stuff like that? Um, the one thing that has been confirmed, and that's why everyone's zeroing, zeroing on it, is um, the pride tape, which again, always individual. Um, there are always players that never you know, used it. Um, I don't think it, it, it was, isn't even necessarily an indication of their beliefs. Um, a lot of them, it was just like, they don't want to tape and retape their stick. Cause you know, you, you don't want to use like the colors of the game, at least on your blade. Um, but I mean, this all stems from, there were seven players who refused to wear the pride jerseys last year, seven out of like the 700 players who did wear, you know, who did wear them 1%. So they're catering to, that one percent of the league that had an issue with this, and uh, I talked to a bunch of the Penguins after practice the other day, and the sentiment across the board of the ones I talked to, um, which is like Sid, Gino, not Gino, uh, Sid, Raquel, uh, Gensel, Rust, Pedersen, uh, Pio, um, 
they're disappointed in the ban and they're going to uh, try to find ways to recognize these groups um, on their own. Not totally clear how that's going to happen yet because a lot of them had just found out about the ban that morning. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely some some disappointment. I mean, and especially when like for someone like Sid to say like it's unfortunate that the league has done this and he typically doesn't you know wade kind of into those kinds of issues. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's that's pretty serious. So do you feel that maybe the league, as much as this does not represent what the large majority of the league would like to do, do you think that they are maybe trying to protect some of those Russian players that maybe wanted to uh, celebrate Pride Nights, but maybe couldn't to protect their families back in Russia? I know that's what people go to, but like... You know, Pride Nights have been a relatively new thing. Um, Malkin has worn the Pride jerseys. Um, Artemi Panarin has worn the Pride jerseys off the top of my head. Uh, I, I know there have there have been others for sure, but um, to, I mean, the jerseys, to take that away, that's one thing. That's over this summer if you want to do that. Um, that's a whole different issue. But like this latest thing, yeah, like the individual shows of support, that's what players are kind of upset about because again, it's things that were always optional. Like the, I know, I know the pride tape, um, people think that like, Oh, you know, if players don't use the pride tape, they're going to, you know, people are going to get all over them. But like you look at warmups last year for the penguins pride night, there may be five players that didn't use the pride tape. And again, it probably, doesn't really say much about their beliefs. It's just, I mean, it just, they didn't put the tape on for warmups. So it wasn't that big of a, a deal. And I mean, you talk to the, like the players, the two that really made the point were like Gensel and Raquel was like, it was always optional. So I don't know why they're instituting this ban. And Raquel, he just seemed like he thought the thing was so silly. He's like, it's tape. Um, he's like, it's such a small thing. And he said, and why not? His thing was like, why not use the tape? Because he had always used it. He had used it in games. He had used it in a game before, too. Like, I think around the knob. Um, he's like, why not do it? It's such a tiny thing you can do. But it does show mean a lot. support. And right. it, means, yeah, it means a lot to people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to those, to those groups. And um, it's some, some of the... I don't even want to get to like the comments from like the the fans and all, but it's when I I hear a lot from the actual gay fans and the people who this mm -hmm. actually does impact and it does mean a lot to them and it's it's not hard to say so and it's such a small thing it's tape so yes um, exactly I know a couple so Scott Lawton with the Flyers said he's he would expect players to still do it I know Pride Tape the company has said that. Um, NHL team has put in an order players have put in orders so I don't know it's not clear what the penalty is if you go out there and use it right now mm -hmm. um, if it's just a small fine I feel like we're, we'd probably see some players defy the ban so we'll see we will see. All right, Taylor, we are going to have Derek Army, head coach of the Wheeling Nailers, joining us with our interview for the week. But for right now, we are going to take a break and we'll be right back with more podcasts on Fifth Ave. All right. And 
And we're back. Uh, Julianne had to step out, so it's just me. And we're joined now by Naylor's head coach, Derek Army. Is this your fifth appearance on one of our shows now, record-setting appearance? It might doing? be. It might be. If you start sending out shirts for guest appearances, I might need it. I might need one. Yeah, I know. I think JD Forrest is right behind you, and I was thinking of having him on soon. So it's good we had you. Uh, you come on to keep uh, keep your lead here. Yeah, I have to. I have to do my part. I, I, being that close, I think I get a little bit of easy leeway there. Yeah, but uh, just uh, how is how's training camp going in Wheeling? It's been great so far. I think we have a good group uh, returning guys. Um, it's one that you can tell there's a, there's a hunger there. There's a lot of younger players. So uh, I think there's that everyone has that drive that they're going to play in the NHL and that's fun to coach. Um, and now we've got a few players down from, from Wilkes-Barre and the, you know, they're continuing to push the pace. And I think they're realizing, um, you know, just how good some of the, the players that are from the ECHL are. And um, it's, an, it's definitely an exciting time. Yeah. And I mean, it, I know your roster is not set yet. Like Wilkes-Barre is, yeah. you know, still making cups, but it looks like this is going to be the deepest group that Wheeling's had in, in a long time. And, and you know, Dubas has made it a, a commitment to, to depth and Wilkes-Barre stacked and the trickle down effect comes down to you. Just how, how deep is a, a group you're expecting? Yeah, I think we're, you know, we're expecting a, a very deep group. I think for me, it's one that I've been, I've had the luxury of being with the Nailers for a long time now. And um, I've been of the mindset that double A development model. And I was the fortune of playing with, you know, DeSmith, Rowney, Archibald, Kunockle, uh, D, Morgan Ellis. I think we had seven NHLers come through at a time. And, you know, the Penguins really utilize that as that double A affiliate. And I think um, it's very exciting with Kyle to, you know, hear, the, hear just his expectation in terms of winning within the organization and development, but also the, the principle of believing in the development at the ECHL level. And, um, you know, for me, that's, that's my goal is to develop. If I, if for me, a success is if, you know, obviously you win a uh, Kelly cup, but also it's, if I see a player playing the NHL that came through wheeling, that's, that's the ultimate success for me. And um, I think for us, uh, the guys we've seen so far, there's a lot of young talent. There's a lot of rawness to their game. And for me, it's kind of just helping them get those, uh, get those minutes up, get those touches in, get their feeling confident and just get them adjusted to the pro game, whether it's they got to put on a little bit more mass to their, their frame because they're young. Um, or it's the, the simple fact of we got to clean up a couple areas of their game. That's the, I think the beauty of the ECHL. And then by the time they get to the American hockey league, hopefully those areas are ironed out and they're, you know, they're ready for JD. Yeah. How do you, what's the message you send to maybe younger players who get sent down there? Um, I've, you know, it could be disappointing. I'm thinking of the guys like Glover and Spakovsky who they really did take steps last, last year in the AHL. And just because of the numbers and that depth, they do end up in wheeling now. Just, um, I feel it feels like it might be a step back, but it's really not just what's your message to, to those guys. Yeah, I think it, you know, it's important for us as an organization. It's the same message down that they get from the development staff and from JD and his staff. And, and it's just that, you know, go down and play. And for me, it's about, you know, learning, um, on the fly, you know, there's going to be mistakes made, but realizing that you're going to be put back out in that situation and now improving that, um, so that mistake doesn't happen. Um, everyone, you know, it's a game of mistakes. So there are going to be those times. But for me, it's just ironing out those things. So when they get to the American League, the consistency is is there. Um, and so that's something that I think is important is just getting these guys more consistent, whether it be in practice to game um, so that every game is is as good as the next. And I think um, the message is that uh, 
when that time comes, if you are going to be a Pittsburgh Penguin, that you're ready for everything. You're meeting the challenges of the consistency. You're meeting the challenges and expectations of winning at that level. And so for me, it's important to have those, have that environment down here in the ECHL. So that way, as they continue to climb the ladder, it's the same, you know, it's the same mentality, the same thing they're going to see. Yeah. One of uh, your returning players is Jordan Frasca. Just what did you see from him in year one? And what are you hoping to see in year two as he takes that next step? Yeah, his development uh, numerically was was off the charts, you know, from one half uh, with us until his next half. Uh, part of it was he had an injury and, you know, getting back into sh- the, the game shape, um, which helped him. But uh, so far, his energy is great. He's a guy who he just loves hockey, he loves being at the rank. He wants to play. Um, his energy is infectious. He's he's one of those guys you just love to coach and makes it fun to come to the rink. And um, I expect him to con- continue taking that next step, whether it be uh, – getting stronger throughout the year physically, um, pushing him on the ice to, to new roles. But I expect that development to continue, and it's going to be easy with just his mindset. Yeah. Uh, one of the newer faces, uh, Dylan Hamelock, I know you were behind the bench at the Prospects Challenge. He was there. One of the pieces they got in the Eric Carlson trade, uh, I, I thought he stood out in the Prospects Challenge. with the He had the two goals in one game. He was physical. Just what are your initial impressions of uh, Hamelock where you guys are getting in him? Yeah, he's got a great stick around the net. Um, his tipping is knocking and pucks in the penalty kill. Uh, he's got a great hand eye. And he didn't play, unfortunately, had hip surgery early last season. He only played seven games. So you could tell his pace, um, his timing is just a bit off. And that just comes with naturally playing um, more games. And that's what, you know, I think we'll start to see more of him as a player as he starts to play more games. But uh, overall, the, you know, the, the initial thought is he's played really well and he's worked hard. He listens, he's coachable. And that's all you can ask for right now is from these players. Yeah. Another, uh, another new face that the Penguins got in a trade uh, last season, Timo Nickel. Um, he was in that, he's been around camps and all that too. So pretty familiar with him. Just what have been your impressions of him? Yeah, he, you could tell he's a he's a he's a strong kid. He's he's a solid defenseman in terms of his size, his strength. Uh, he is built for, for great to be great in box outs. He's got a good shot. We've seen that through our preseason and training camp and through Wilkes. And now it's uh, you know I think just adjusting to maybe the speed, the smaller rink of you know North America. Uh, the game's a little bit faster and it's more on top of you. So for him, it's just adjusting whether it be with gaps, uh, pace of play, and just kind of continuing his progress in that avenue because his strength is there. Um, now it'll just be the gaps and stick work that, you know, is, is what we look to take advantage of and kind of continue to improve. Yeah. And then I want to ask you about a, a couple guys who aren't on, on the NHL contracts. Uh, David Jankowski, uh, Penguins fans familiar with his brother. He played Mark Jankowski yes. played up there. I know you had Jankowski a little bit last season. Uh, he's back. Just, just what can you tell us about him? Yeah, he, he's a, um, He's a really smart hockey player. Um, he finds good ice. He continues to just find areas to score. You know, he scored in the Wilkes-Barre preseason game. Uh, he just puts himself in good spots um, to be available for the puck. Uh, give and go hockey's kind of built for his style. Um, so I'm kind of excited to see, you know, how he progresses. He's had a good little camp so far. We'll now see how that continues. Yeah, and then another familiar name, uh, Peter Laviolette, Peter Laviolette the third, yes. uh, son of the coach of Peter Laviolette. Uh, just, just what can you tell us about him? Yeah, he's uh, he's a wonderful human being. Um, he's now, as you can imagine, he was the biggest Cavs fan. He now is the biggest Rangers fan, with a little bit of a side route, even though he won't say it for the Penguins. Um, <laughs> but he is a uh, a great teammate. 
Um, he's big. He's physical. Uh, he gets in on the four check. Um, he gets pucks in. He goes in that hard, and he and he's not shy in terms of the physical aspect. If there was needed to be a fight, he's not shy there. Um, so he's a he's one of those guys you love having around the rink. His energy's high, and that's what you want from you know just us in general. Is it a high energy? Enjoy coming to the rink for these guys, and I think that's important. Yeah, and you have a new face behind the bench too, and, and Mitch Jaguer, uh, assistant coach, is what it's been like working uh, with him so far during camp. It's been great getting to know him. We uh, unfortunately, with the, after we hired him, it was weird because of the visa situation. So when he came in, I had to go out for Buffalo, and then when I came back, he had to go back up to. So it was, we were waiting to work together, and finally, we were able to at Wilkes Camp and. Uh, it's great. Exactly what I expected from our interviews is he brings a different perspective to the game. Um, he said it today in one of our meetings is, you know, he believes offense, you know, is the key. Typically you don't hear that from a, a coach, you know, they build from the back end out and um, just some of the outlooks within the penalty killer concepts. And it's, it's just, I love that, you know, having the dialogue, the conversation between the two of us, um, how can we improve? How can we get better? And uh, you know, he's coaching the KHL. So he, he, that just follow that resume is a little bit different than the North American style. So um, it's been exciting to have him. He has an enthusiasm for the game and he just loves hockey. So, you know, makes, uh, makes all of our jobs easy. Yeah. Uh, the, the Penguins first preseason game up here. So that was the first time they ever had a woman behind the bench and Corey Chevery. Most people don't know this, but there were two Lauren Riddle. Uh, she was one of the athletic trainers behind the bench and she's the head athletic trainer for, for the nailers uh, entering her second season. Just what's it been like working with her? It's been great. She's got a real excitement and enthusiasm for one. She's grown up a Penguins fan. Um, so you can tell her enthusiasm within the organization and just love for the opportunity. Um, it was, you know, harder first year she got thrown to the fire in terms of we didn't have like she came right into the job. We didn't have that, you know, iron out course for her to see what, you know, pro hockey's like. And so it was really exciting for her to, you know, go through the season and, and you see how, you know, continually she improved and she was always learning and um, her energy was infectious. And then as this summer came around, it was exciting to see her. And for me, I was excited for her to get the opportunity to go up to Pittsburgh and take part and learn from, you know, the standard that the Penguins set to what Seamus has in Wilkes-Barre and just, you know, be a part of it. Cause you just like a player, you don't learn until you're on the job or you don't learn until you're around leaders. And um, it was exciting for her to be able to do that. And even more so for her to be on the bench. I mean, is it, you know, it's a dream come true. Um, in general for her, but to be especially have a chance with the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, you know, I know meant a lot to her. So um, I was very happy for her. And now just kind of all of us here are just really excited for our season to get going and kind of get settled and, um, you know, do our part and help and push that, you know, that next wave to Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, uh, I saw on Instagram you guys trained with the Air Force uh, the other day. Was that a picture of you carrying DJ on your back? <laughs> yes, it was. He was not as light as I would have liked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just what, what was that like training with the with the Air Force? What all did you do? So we've uh, the last three years we've tried to we want to incorporate it for you know our um, like our, our military night, um, our first responders night. We want to kind of be as much involved. So uh, previous year we trained with the the Air Force. We also did a uh, we toured the police academy and everything like that. And this year we'll do police academy and fire department. But it's important for us to be around in the community and um, the guys that from the Air Force we've made connections with. Uh, have been great. So for us, we did, they put us through a workout. They told us um, some inspirational stories that, you know, help them when they're struggling or uh, going through tough times in terms of the training and uh, kind of their mindset. And so for us, it was, it's just one of those things where I can now count on 
during the season, if we're tired after three and three or guys are gases, you know, Hey, look, it's not just you going through it. You know, we've seen the air force and what they go through. You've seen how hard those guys work. And um, it's just good for our guys to just get out in the community, but at the same time, see how, uh, you know, our military works and how, you know, just kind of stuff they do and in the background. Yeah. Uh, speaking of DJ, so the, the Nailers, they're doing a little behind the scenes series uh, this year. I saw the first episode on YouTube drop today, a couple of minutes. And there's yeah. there's part of it. You're giving like a speech about how, you know, the the mentality is to win every night. And totally yeah. serious. You said like, if we could have DJ in net. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I laughed. I thought it was funny. <laughs> it was, uh, I'm sure uh, if those who know DJ would, would give it a good <laughs> chuckle. Um, yeah, it's one that I think for him, he I always like to incorporate him in everything. Thing we do and um yeah it is the expectation though it's you know doesn't matter who's in the lineup we want it you know we can't take it light we our expectation is to win no matter who and dj i don't know if we would give us the best chance to win but uh his energy would be great on the bench that's for sure yeah your your e-bug is is billy higgins is it not billy higgins has e-bugged uh the yeah. last few years for us actually so you know i think he has over uh, 20 years of e-bugging and yeah, um, I was looking at elite prospects. <laughs> it's he always gets a penalty. Um, I, I actually had a chance to get him in too, and the yeah. refs didn't help me out, so they let me out. They let they unfortunately didn't let Bill get his 10 seconds in the net. Yeah, I mean, for people who don't know the equipment guy, what what's he doing to get the penalties? He just asked the ref. So after the game, he he'll go over and be like, "Hey, listen, do you mind just give me a minor for the sheet?" So they'll give him. I don't know what penalty they usually give him, but he always gets something. So he gets a registered game. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, one last thing uh, before we let you go. Typically, uh, we always end by asking you about Brandon Tanev. Uh, Nola Chari now, though, uh, another former teammate of yours. He's on the Penguins. Do you have any uh, memories of Nola Chari from your time at uh, Providence College? I have a lot. I've known Noli a long time. We go back till when we were maybe 12 years old growing up together. Uh, so I've known him for a long time. We kind of have the same trajectory in terms of uh, both have golden retrievers, both have a son and a daughter. Um, and for, for me, we've, we've gotten close with him and his family a long, long time, but um, Noli is an incredible pool basketball player. And you, when we go over his house, his mom would always have this huge Italian feast for us. We'd have like eight courses for lunch, um, which was phenomenal but the pool basketball always got heated there would always be a football game but he's as competitive as any and just anything uh outside hockey's equally as competitive so it was fun growing up with uh you know myself that's kind of my attitude so anytime this summer we were at pc workouts it was always a war in the achari pool uh in those days off yeah was his nose straight back then? His nose was straight at that time. His nose was straight at, the, at that time. Yeah, I've I've seen a lot of crooked hockey noses. I don't think I've seen one as as out of whack as that. No, he's uh, he, there's if there's one thing for him is he's just he's a warrior. He was a warrior in college. Uh, he does he plays through a lot of injuries and and things, and uh, I think that's why a lot of teammates obviously admire him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this was great. Thanks again uh, for coming on. I'm sure we'll have you on again throughout the season. Keep up your, your little record here. But uh, thanks again for listening to another episode of Podcast on Fifth Ave. We drop new episodes every Saturday. So wherever you listen to podcasts, subscribe. We drop these on YouTube if you want to see the YouTube vid- the video versions. But thanks again for listening. Thank you very much for having me, Taylor. And good luck with the cats. And, and go <laughs> Penguins. Say hi, buddy. That's my guy. <laughs>